Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Will you find a Bible now and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2? Philippians chapter 2. I can hardly even begin to say what, not just an honor, but what a great joy it has been for me to be with you guys this weekend, your leadership teams yesterday and deacons last night, and just to get to know Pastor Matt and the other Pastor Matt and Zane and some other people uh, here. Man, you guys have a great staff, a great team, an excellent leadership base, wonderful servant-hearted deacons, and God is doing an amazing, fresh new work at First Baptist Dumas, and I'm convinced of that after just this weekend, and I'm so glad and so honored that you've come to worship here with us this morning. I bring you greetings from Dr. Lork, Nathan Lork, who is our executive director of the SBTC, and I suppose I should officially welcome you as part of the network now. You are uh, pulling your resources and relationships together. You're locking arms with 2,706 sister churches across the state of Texas who believe that the Bible is inerrant and infallible, who are missionally minded, who are confessionally cooperative, and they are working together with you so that not just our neighbors, but the nations might know and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before it is everlasting too late. So thank you for your partnership in the gospel with the SBTC. There's something about August, uh, you know, other than where, where I live, other than it just being blistering hot all the time. It's like a concrete jungle in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But other than that, uh, there's something special about August. It's like life just kind of gets back in a rhythm. At least it does for me. And it's not, it's not like we don't do anything meaningful or purposeful or valuable in the summer. Surely we do some meaningful and purposeful things in the summer, but there's something about like this spot, this moment right here in August where life just kind of gets on go again. You know, school starting back, planning season is ahead of us, football is coming up this coming weekend. I mean, all the things, like things just start to hit their rhythm again, and the church is wise to enter into and capitalize on that space. And so here we are this weekend with a leadership weekend and with a challenge from Philippians chapter 2, hopefully this morning, for you to enter into that space, to recognize, understand, and own the fact that God has a special plan and a special place for you in His work in and through His kingdom that is manifested and that is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in and through this local church of First Baptist Dumas in this generation. So it's my honor and my joy to be with you. And I do believe this. I believe that you're here this morning because God has brought you here, not by accident, but on purpose, and that he actually has something specific for you, whether you're a child, whether you're a student, whether you're a young adult or a really, really old adult. I believe that God has something very unique and special for you, that he's inviting you into his plan in this season of his kingdom through your service at First Baptist Church in Dumas. And I want to help 
dig that out of you today from our text. So let's turn our attention to the text of God's Word, Philippians chapter 2. I'll read to you from verses 12 through 18. Would you mind standing with me just to honor the reading of God's Word? I want to give it the full reading that it deserves so that we can just hear the voice of God before we go any further in the sermon, okay? Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked And twisted generation among whom you shine like lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. May the Lord. Add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word. You can have a seat. Thank you. There's a, a rhythm to this text. It kind of builds to something. And I want to, I want to pull that out this morning and, and help you walk through this text just line by line, word by word, with our focus on three main things, three, three ways that we're called in this season to work in Christ's kingdom. First of all, we're, to call, we're called to work reverently. And secondly, you'll see we're called to work cooperatively as part of Christ's church. And thirdly, we're called to work joyfully. So God's people are called to work reverently, cooperatively, and joyfully in Christ's kingdom. Now, we're going to work our way through the text with those three things in mind, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep this question on the front of your mind, whether you're a student or whether you're an adult, whether you're a senior adult, I want you to keep this on the front of your mind while we're working through the text. How is God calling me, that is you specifically, how is God calling me to invest my life in His kingdom work at First Baptist Dumas today? I just want you to keep that question in front of your mind the whole time that we work through this text. How is God calling me, me, to invest my life in his kingdom work in and through First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas today? Let's jump into the text. Firstly, you see in verse 12, work reverently is what we're looking at here. In verse 12, therefore, my beloved, the Apostle Paul starts this greeting, therefore, my beloved. So the Apostle Paul, he's not, he's not a pastor, but he's writing pastorally. So the pastoral Paul, he's writing not with like this heavy-handed authoritarian rulership over the church. Rather, he's inviting them into this moment. There's a gracious endearment here in Paul's voice. He's not saying you have to do this because I'm Paul, I'm the apostle, and I said so. He's saying you're my beloved, and I'm prevailing upon God's grace and upon your good grace to enter into this moment with me. My beloved, do you hear the tone of his voice there? And I can tell you from Pastor Matt's heart and the rest of your staff and the leaders here today, they share this mindset with you. None of them are here to lord over you. They are here to serve you. You, you are not their subjects. You are their beloved. And so Paul continues in verse 12. He says, therefore, my beloved, here's the command. Work out your own salvation. Work, I'm entering this space with you, my beloved. Work out your own salvation is the command. Now, not, not work for your salvation. That's different. 
He doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. In fact, it's the testimony of all of Scripture that there's nothing you can do to work toward salvation. Salvation, being cleansed from your sin, given an eternal home in heaven and a life full of purpose and power right here while you wait for that great day when God calls you home to glory. That salvation belongs to you in Christ Jesus if you've repented from sin and placed your faith in him, but it's nothing you could ever work toward. It's God's gift to you. In fact, it's the the testimony of the entire scripture, the central message. We have so many messages, there's so many doctrines in the church, in the Bible, that that as Pastor Matt and your Sunday school teachers and leaders, as they explain the text of God's word to you, it forms the whole man, it shapes you after God's design, and it gives you meaning, and it gives you added value in your everyday life and your interactions with other people. There's so many things that we teach from God's word. But the one central core message of God's word and the one central core message of First Baptist Dumas is simply this. Whoever you are and whatever walk of life you've come from into this place today or joining us online, God created you in his image and after his likeness and he has a plan and a purpose for your life that is so much bigger and better than anything you could ever dream up for yourself. This God loves you infinitely and unfailingly. Your problem, though, is the same as my problem. Every one of us has sinned against God. God is holy and just and righteous and pure. And let's just get real. I'm not. I'm so far from that. And our sin separates us from the love of God. But God, because he loves you so much in the person of Christ Jesus, God came down in Christ Jesus. He lived the perfect sinless life that you and I could never live. He died the death on the cross of Calvary that you and I deserve where the Father poured out the full weight of his wrath against your sin and my sin onto Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Jesus died beneath the weight of that sin. They took his lifeless body off of that tree. They buried it in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, the scripture record history affirms Jesus rose from the dead to seal victory over sin and death and hell not just for himself but for you and for anyone down through the ages who would just repent from their sin turn away from it and call on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and King and this is the central message of Christianity there's nothing you can do to earn it if your plan is to somehow impress God with how good of a person you've been throughout your life whenever you stand before him at judgment day I'm going to tell you you're going to be sorely disappointed Because there's nothing you could ever do to earn God's love for you in Christ Jesus. He lavished it on you. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. So you can't work toward and you can't work for salvation. You just have to receive it. But you can, what Paul's saying to the church in Philippi, you can, you should, you must work out your salvation. Not work for salvation, but work out your salvation. That means there should be an external evidence of this inward relationship with Christ. Did you hear that? There should be an external evidence at work, on the farm, in the grocery store, in school. There should be an external evidence of this internal relationship with Christ. And how? How are we to work that out? Still verse 12. Here it says, with fear and trembling. I mean, there's supposed to be this holy reverence about us in the Christian demeanor. A holy reverence. What you have working inside you, if you're saved, what you have working inside you right now is so precious and it's so special and it is so powerful that it should fundamentally change the way you think and the way you speak and the way you act. We 
you and I, we are to be a people who not only have Christ within us, but who reverently, consistently demonstrate Christ around us. So here's what Paul's saying. When Christ's salvation is in your heart, His work will be on your hands. When Christ's salvation is in your heart, His work will be on your hands. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. I mean, think about this. Even the will to be obedient to Christ, even the will to do something good for God's kingdom, even the will itself, the want to, is a gift to you from God. It's a work of God's grace in you. Right now, as you're listening to the sermon, whether you're live in this space or joining us later via uh, recording or whatever, while you listen to this exposition of Christ's Word, the Holy Spirit is working in your life. He is guiding you into the truth of this text. He is forming something in your soul. He is working in you the will, the want to, to be obedient to Christ's Word that he delivered to the Philippian church 2,000 years ago through the hands of the Apostle Paul. And when you do that, I love this part of the text. When you do that, when you work it out, when you have external evidence of this internal relationship with Christ, when you do this, it brings God pleasure. Do you see that in verse 13? It brings God pleasure, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Every good work with eternal value comes from God and is for God. It brings him joy. Every good thing you do in your life, whether it's in your personal space or in this community of faith, every good thing you do in your life that has any kind of eternal value, it has come to you from God. And ultimately, it is for God. It brings him joy. You know, one day, uh, I want to retire. I have friends who are like, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to work all my life. I'm like, that's cool, but that's not for me. I'm going to retire. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. In fact, some of you in here, you are retired, you worked hard, you saved up, you retired, and now you love Jesus, you're serving the church, and you're having the time of your life, and you are my hero. I want to be you one day. I'm working toward it. I, I want to retire. In fact, when I retire, I want to be that church member. Here's my goal. Y'all hold me accountable to it. When I retire, I want to be that church member who goes at least two days a week and knocks on doors in our community and tells people about Jesus, invites them to church, and brags on my pastor. I want to do that at least two days a week. And then three days a week, I want to be on a boat on the lake fishing. And then whatever time I have left, if God grants me this pleasure, I'm going to spend every waking moment with my grandchildren. That's what I want to do. That's my goal when I retire. And I'm working toward it. Like I'm, I'm making investments in my retirement right now. Right now, uh, everything in my 401k is coming from me. And hopefully one day it will return exponentially to me. I'll pull out my phone because like I could open my 401k app right now, and I can look at my performance. But I'm not going to do that because it would probably complete, it would make me sick to my stomach. It would totally ruin the rest of this sermon right now. But I could if I wanted to. But the point is I've been making investments in that account, and hopefully it is producing an exponential return at some point. So, but when I do open that app, and when I see, you know, I haven't seen it in the last couple of years, but when I see an exponential return, a 5%, a 10%, a 15% return, it brings me great joy. I'm excited about it. Why? Because I have an expectation for that investment. I, there's something that I want to do with that investment. I have plans on it, and my plans depend on that investment's performance. Everything in there came from me, and hopefully by God's grace, one day it will return exponentially to me when it multiplies 
to its greatest potential, it accomplishes my will and it will bring me great joy. And listen, in Christ Jesus, God has made a long-term investment in you. If you've repented from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, God has deposited something very special and very powerful in you. And it is a long-term investment. And he keeps making investments in you. Isn't that great? I mean, when you woke up this morning, God's mercy to you was new. His faithfulness was great. God keeps depositing spiritual things in your bank account. He has lavished the fullness of heaven's riches on you in Christ Jesus. God just keeps blessing you in Christ. And he keeps making spiritual investments in you. But there is an expectation for that investment. God expects in Christ Jesus that his investment in you will return to him exponentially. And when it does, oh, it will bring him great joy. Christian, if you are working out your salvation with a holy reverence, then you need to hear this today. God is smiling on you right now. I mean, I know a lot of times like we beat ourselves up because we know all of our faults and failures. And then we try to wrap our heads around the truth that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but still we choose to beat ourselves up. But listen, if you're working out your salvation, you're saved, and you're working it out with fear and trembling before God, you need to grab a hold of the end of verse three, 13 there. It brings him pleasure. God's smiling on you today. He's proud of you. So work out what Christ has worked within you. Work reverently. The second thing I want you to show or I want you to see through this text is that we're not just to work reverently, we're to work cooperatively. Work cooperatively. We're talking about in the community of the faith, the community of the redeemed at First Baptist Dumas. You and I, we are to work cooperatively in Christ's kingdom. I told them yesterday morning that I grew up in a home with four older brothers. I have, uh, there were five boys in uh, our home. And I'm sure if you have siblings, you could testify to this fact, although we share the same bloodline. For some reason, we didn't always see eye to eye. Does that make sense? Can I get a witness up in here? You guys, I mean, if you have siblings, you know it is true. But our parents expected us, when they gave us a task in our family, they expected us not just to do these tasks individually, but to do them together. And believe it or not, they actually wanted us to enjoy it. They actually wanted us to enjoy time with our siblings working together in that family. Look at verse 14. In verse 14... We read, do all things, here's the next command, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Let me ask you this, how many things does the Bible say we are to do this way? All things. All the things. Anything at all that God has called you to do, any investment he's called you to make, however you work out your faith for the benefit of his kingdom expressed in this gospel outpost, First Baptist Church Dumas, every single thing, every single thing you're supposed to work out in this way. How? Without grumbling or disputing. You know what grumbling is? Grumbling is when your teenage son, no offense guys, that's what he does in the morning when you ask him whether or not he's taking a shower yet. And he's like, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to take a shower this morning. I'm going to take a shower yesterday morning. You can smell him from the driveway when you're turning on your car. The paint is literally peeling off of his walls in his bedroom, and a fog of funk escapes and fills the whole house when he opens his doors. And yet still, for some reason, he's shocked that you want him to take a shower every single morning. That's grumbling. Disputing. Disputing is what happens when his teenage tongue gets ahead of his adolescent brain. 
And if that works itself out in your home the same way it does in my home, impassioned exchanges follow, and dad always wins. Grumbling, disputing, murmuring, yours might say, and arguing. At First Baptist Church of Dumas, we are on mission together as the family of God. We have this task that's set before us in our day, in our moment, and we are supposed to do it together. We are the family of God, and we're on mission together. And listen to me, it is childish and it is foolish to frustrate one another on our spiritual journey together in our cooperative work. Conversely, a mark of maturity in a church would be to work together, listen to this, with reverence for God and respect for one another. The mark of maturity in the church is going to be when you work out this salvation with fear and trembling before God and He's smiling on you because you're doing it with reverence before God and respect for one another. And by the way, that's really strange to the watching world. I mean, where else are you going to find that? Where else are you going to find people sacrificially laying themselves down, all their preferences, all their desires, in making worthy, sacrificial investments in one singular cause and actually liking each other in the process? Where do you find that in our world? It's so strange. It's so peculiar. Look at verse 15. Do this so that, this is important, why? Here's the answer to the why question. That you may be blameless and innocent, he writes, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Now let me get a little bit nerdy on you here for just a minute. The contrast here in this verse, in verse 15, the contrast is between the words blameless and innocent and crooked and twisted. They're two words that describe two different kinds of being. So the contrast he's drawing is between blameless and innocent on the one hand and crooked and twisted on the other hand. That word crooked in the original text is the word scolios, which is where we get our English word. Can you guess it? Scoliosis. Crooked. You know what it looks like. It's, it's crooked. It's twisted. The word twisted there is actually in this text is actually the word to divert from the path, to take a wrong turn, to go no matter what the signs say or no matter what your guide is saying, you take your own path, to divert from the path. That's what this word twisted means. On the other hand, to be blameless means to be without defect. And then to be innocent is the word for simple and straightforward. So here's what we're getting. In a culture full of moral twists and turns. Does that culture sound familiar to anybody else? In a culture full of moral twists and turns, you and I, in our cooperative work in Christ's kingdom, we are supposed to be straightforward, simple, and pure. And you would say, how do we do that? How do we, as a group, a growing group of Christ people with so many different personalities, so many different demographics, and so many different things going on in our individual lives, when we come together on Mission for Christ, how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to be the kind of people who are straightforward, simple, and pure? The text answers that question. By doing all things without grumbling and complaining. And if we do, God's Word says in verse 15, we will shine like stars in the world. There should be a special, morally centered uniqueness to the way that we interact one with another. And it should be so strange, so peculiar in a culture full of shifting moral twists and turns 
that the way that you and I, in the context of First Baptist Dumas, the way that we interact with one another should literally turn the heads of the watching world. My oldest son is now 20, but back when he was two, back when he used to be cute, uh, he, uh, we, were, we were in God's greatest gift of a restaurant to the American public. The best restaurant he ever gave under heaven is obviously Wingstop. And so we were sitting in Wingstop, and, uh, and he's two years old. My wife and I are sitting a- across from each other, and we're talking, and he's, you know, he's two, and he's on his booster seat, and he got quiet. And you know when like a two-year-old gets quiet, something's up. And so uh, we were talking, and I looked over at Ethan, my, my son, who was two, and uh, his eyes were like bulging out of his head, and his mouth, like his jaw was on the ground. He, he looked like this. And I was like, Vanessa, look at this. What's this all about? And so Ethan was obviously staring at something across the restaurant. And so Vanessa and I turned our eyes and we looked across the restaurant. And there's this television, a lot like that one, but a lot smaller at the time. Across the restaurant. And he was looking at this television. He was completely mesmerized by what he saw. He was captivated. You know what was on that TV? Leanne Rimes. You know how they used to play like music videos in restaurants? So they were playing a Leanne Rimes music video and she, you know, her head was all shiny and glowing and there were sparkles around it. And I don't even know what she was singing at the time, but my two-year-old son, there was something about that moment (laughs) that turned the head of my two-year-old son. He was all starry-eyed and there was something that completely captivated his attention. It was nothing like what he had seen up to that moment. And so for whatever reason, I love to. I hope he watches this video because I love to point out, first of all, that he used to be cute, and secondly, that he had this two-year-old crush on Leanne Rhymes. But there you go. And maybe not in the exact same way, hopefully not in the exact same way, but probably to the same degree, brothers and sisters, the way that you and I interact while we work together on Christ's kingdom should bear a positive testimony to our uniqueness as the people of God. When we get together on our cooperative mission, our straightforwardness, our simplicity, the purity of our love one for another should turn the heads of the watching world. You have to work. You have to work as people of God at First Baptist Church Dumas. But you're not called to work alone. You're called to work cooperatively, together, with a special affection for one another. Do this, the word says, and you will shine like stars in the world. Work reverently. Work cooperatively. And finally, work joyfully. Work joyfully. Put your eyes on verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. It's the goal of every pastor and every church leader that I've ever met. That his leadership occasion would bear lasting fruit in the church and the community in which it's situated. Pastor Matt, he's not in this thing for his own name. And he's not in this thing for his own glory. I can testify to that. He is hoping to outlive his own life by making worthy investments at this time that God has called him to shepherd you, these people. 
And how will he know? How will he know whether or not his investments have borne the right kind of fruit? Well, he's only going to know one day when he stands before Christ in the case that First Baptist Church of Dumas is holding fast to the word of life. That's his only goal. Verse 17. Even if I am, Pastoral Paul here, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Paul is saying, I will give up everything. I'll give you my whole life. I'm willing and I'm ready, Pastoral Paul says, that serving this church would cost me everything. And get this, I'm going to love every minute of it. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 18, he invites the church into this experience with him. Look at verse 18. Likewise, in the same manner, to the same degree, likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So here's the real question. Whatever it is that God is doing fresh and new in First Baptist Dumas right now, in your individual ministry areas, in your student ministry, in your women's ministry, in your deacon's ministry, and also just collectively as one body, whatever it is that God's doing at First Baptist Dumas today, is it worth it? I mean, really, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth pouring yourself out for? Is it worth being spent for? If not then let's just shut this thing down and go somewhere else. The call is that whatever it is that Christ is doing afresh and anew in your body, it has to be worth pouring yourself out for. And this is the call. Let's pour ourselves out together. I mean, let's empty ourselves. Let's sacrifice. Let's give this thing every single thing we have and let's watch what God does in response. I'll tell you what. If you do that, the more you invest in something, the more your heart is there. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the more investment that you make at First Baptist Dumas, the more you're going to love every single minute of it. Have you ever been absolutely beat before, just poured out to where you're, you're at the end of your physical strength and you are just spent. You ever been there? During COVID, I decided to take up running for some ungodly demonic reason. I had never run in my life. I was not a runner. I only ran unless like something bigger than me was chasing me. Um, but I decided I would start running. And so I had a goal. My goal was that I was going to run a half marathon by the end of the year. You know, COVID uh, came in March 2020. And then by the end of the year, I wanted to run a half marathon. And listen, some of you, you might be a runner out there I have a friend in East Texas, a pastor, who just ran a 56-miler the other day, and I think he's mental. Like, I think he needs some help. Uh, but some, maybe you're like, 13.1 miles is not a big deal. It's a big deal for me, especially when I could, the first day I couldn't run a half a mile without feeling like my spleen was going to pop out. And so I started running, and I was building up. You've ever done this? It's all about what you eat and how many miles you run and how you push yourself and mitigating the risk of whether or not to push further. So I started running one mile, two miles, three, eight, ten miles, 11, 12 miles. And then finally it came uh, one day in the fall in about, I think it was October or November of 2020, that I set my mind on that 13.1 mile goal. And I started out running on Saturday morning, 
It wasn't a bunch of hoopla. It wasn't even in a tournament. It was just a personal goal that I wanted to work out. So I started running. Man, I was hurting about my mile 10, mile 11. I was questioning my own sanity. Mile 12, I almost had to stop and well, you know, uh, I just, it was hurting so badly. And then uh, my, like 12.9, my knees were as big as cantaloupes and my side was, it hurt so bad. But I finally round, rounded that last corner and then I ended up 13.1 miles right in my front yard. We had these concrete steps and I remember plopping down on that concrete step in my front yard and my head was spinning, my stomach was sick, my knees were inflamed, I was questioning all of my life choices, but I was so fulfilled. I was like, I did it. It feels like I couldn't even stand up to go inside and get a bottle of water. I had to call my wife from that front step and ask her to come bring me a bottle of water. I was beat, but it felt so good. It was joy. It was satisfaction because I'd set my mind on a worthy cause and I pursued it and I poured myself out for it. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at here to the Philippian church. He's saying, I will squeeze myself out for you. Think about that. Everything I have inside of me, I'm ready to pour it out on the sacrificial altar of your faith. Why don't you come and join me in this? We'll have the time of our lives together. It's a worthy pursuit. When you pour your yourselves out together in pursuit of what Christ has for your church and your generation between church leadership and church membership, there's a reciprocal joy in steady, sacrificial Christian work. As I come to a close, I just want to say again, I really honestly believe, I wouldn't be here if I didn't, and now I believe even more after yesterday and this morning, I believe that God is up to something fresh and new at First Baptist Dumas. This is a different day. But it's a good day. And I really believe, I mean, Pastor Matt's heart to watch him and watch how the Holy Spirit is on him and to see what the Spirit of God is stirring among you. God is up to something new and exciting at First Baptist Dumas. And you're here this morning. You, every one of you. You're here this morning because God has invited you to step into this space. God has invited you to pour yourself out on the sacrificial altar of everybody else's faith here to make worthy investments in his kingdom cause through First Baptist Dumas in this generation. And if you do that, you'll stand out. I mean, you'll shine like stars in the world. So here's that question I want you to keep in front of you. How is God calling you? Well, not the person next to you or front or behind you, you. How is God calling you to invest your life, to pour yourself out for his mission in and through First Baptist Church Dumas in this season? Just think. Think of the invaluable treasure that God has invested in you in Christ Jesus and commit to work it out together with great joy. If you're our guest this morning or you could have been here every day for your whole life. There's no guarantee that coming to church would earn you salvation. You, you can't work for it. It's not work for salvation. It's work out salvation. You'd say, Tony, I'm a pretty good 
guy, I'm a pretty good woman, I sit in the pew, I give the money, I sing the song, I serve on the committee, I do all the things, I check all the boxes. It's not what salvation is about. All those things are outward expressions of an inward faith. The real question is, is there a moment in your life when God has called you to salvation in Jesus Christ? Can you point back to that time when you decided once and for all to turn away from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Because all the rest of this stuff doesn't matter until you have that one moment down. Is this your moment? Is this your day? Is God calling you to salvation in Christ Jesus? If so, here's my challenge to you. I'm going to pray in just a minute and hand it over to Pastor Matt to close the service. But here's my challenge to you. If you'd say, Tony, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't have that day I can point back to and say, that's the day God radically saved me and changed my life. If you'd say, I don't know, Tony, then here's my encouragement to you today. Sometime after this service, find Pastor Matt or Pastor Matt or Zane, Pastor Zane, and just say these two words, these two words. Find them and say these two words. Let's talk. Just say those two words, let's talk. They'll know exactly what that means. And you can settle your eternity today. Lord God, thank you for First Baptist Dumas. Thank you for these, uh, these people who believe so strongly in your work in and through this church. Thank you for the grace of God that has come to them in Christ Jesus, those who've repented from their sin and placed their faith in Jesus, that they are eternally secure in their relationship with Christ. There's no condemnation for them. And Lord, what a great gift is ours and that there's assurance of salvation in Christ. But even more than that, on top of that, God, you've invested this incredible treasure in them so that they can work it out. All of us have a very short time on this earth. God, our message, the message that you've entrusted to us, the message of the gospel, is too urgent. And our time is too short. Not to pour ourselves out for your kingdom cause. In and through this local church and this generation, you're calling us to this. You're calling us to this reverently and you're calling us to this cooperatively, to actually like each other and put peripheral things on the periphery, to put secondary things on the sidelines and just focus on the main goal and love each other through the process. And oh God, when we do that at First Dumas, what great joy will be ours and it will make your heart glad. Oh God, that you would look down from heaven and make your face to shine upon these people, that you would smile on First Baptist Dumas even today because they're doing your work, they're working it out without grumbling, without disputing. And, oh, Lord, you've called us not just to work reverently and not just to work cooperatively. But, Lord God, by your grace and because you're so good to us and so kind, you've called us to work joyfully. What a great honor it is to pour ourselves out for your kingdom and to have the time of our lives doing it. Lord, I pray for those who you've brought into our gathering today who do not know you, who are lost. Your word is very clear that apart from Christ, we don't wander toward God, only away. And I would assume that there are those in this place today, God, that you have brought to hear this one message, that you love them, but their sin separates them from you. And unless they embrace repentance from that sin, turn away from it, and trust in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, that they right here, 
will spend all of eternity separated from you in a Christless hell, paying for their own sin, not because that's what you want, but because they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they've refused to respond in repentance and faith. Here we are, listening to this message once again. Some of us have heard exactly that many times in our lives. Jesus, you died for our sin. You rose from the dead. Trust you as Lord and Savior. We'll be saved. But time and time and time again, we've walked away from that message, unbelieving and unchanged. God, would you deposit faith in our hearts today? Would you give us the faith to believe? Would you give us the courage to respond? And that those among us today who heard the gospel and it's come alive in their hearts today and they know they need to respond, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to find one of these pastors after church today and say, let's talk. And that today would be the day that they remember for the rest of their lives and all of eternity forward as the day you saved their soul and gave them a life worth living. Thank you, Jesus, that you're so good and kind to us to meet with us here in this moment. Be honored now in how we respond in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.